On the edge of real and cyberspace, there's one place you can go. Welcome to Nightwise.com. Nightwise.com. Tired of choosing between Macs, Linux, and OSX? Listen to the Nightwise.com podcast and learn how to slide from operating system to operating system using our hack tips and tweaks for cross-platform geeks. Tune tech into your way of life and let technology work for you instead of the other way around. On the edge of real and cyberspace, there is one place you can go, and you found it. Welcome to the Nightwise.com podcast, the one and only podcast with hacks, tips, and tweaks for cross-platform geeks. My name's Nightwise, and I'll be your host on this episode of the podcast, Tablets Through Time. For more information and the show notes, go over to www.nightwise.com, that's K-N-I-G-H-T-W-I-S-E.com, where you'll find the links, and of course, the link to the media feed, so you can subscribe to the podcast and get it all delivered to your podcatcher automatically. Hey guys and girls, welcome back to the Nightwise.com podcast. I know it's been far too long, but we do a show whenever we can. And if the uh, lockdown lifestyle and COVID craziness permits us to sit down and record in all serenity, then we'll probably do so. I am here today, and one of the reasons is that I am reading the script to this podcast from my brand spanking new 12.9-inch 2020 265-gigabyte iPad Pro, which I purchased myself for my birthday. And I promised myself that if I get one and I have the time to scribble down a script, I will record it and share it with you in a podcast. So I did. Here it is. And here we go. Ah, it's been far too long since I've done a show, so forgive me if I'm a little rusty, but today I wanted to talk to you about the use of tablets in our digital lifestyle and to go in search of the answer to the ultimate question, not what is the meaning of life, that is trivial, but the more important question, the real philosophical question, can an iPad in 2020, almost 10 years after its inception in 2010, replace a computer. Well, without further ado, let's get into the meat of the matter.
I got my very first tablet, not my very first iPad, somewhere in 2010. Tablets were just only beginning to arise and weren't even properly available in Europe yet, but I did manage to get my hands on some kind of cheap 7-inch Android knockoff tablet from China that I purchased at a local computer store. Before biting the bullet and buying a pretty expensive iPad 1, I decided, you know, why not go with something else? Maybe that works as well. But it turned out, well, no, it didn't. It was a cheap device that gave me an inkling of what would be possible in the future. But after about two weeks, I kind of said to myself, yeah, probably not. Let's get one of these iPads everybody is talking about. So the iPads were only coming to Europe very, very slowly, country by country. And one of the countries that had uh, the iPads in store before uh, Belgium was Germany. Now, I live pretty close to the Dutch and the German border, so some emails and some phone calls. And uh, within a week or so, I managed to secure a reservation for an iPad 1 from one of the uh, Apple stores or Apple resellers in Aachen in Germany. I dragged my wife on a Saturday afternoon across the German border in the midst of soccer craziness. The world, no, not the World Cup, the European Cup was going on and Belgium was playing against Germany. So two Belgians went across the German border and walked through a German town that was completely soccer crazy. That's what I remember very lively. Also, I remember that it was very hot that day and that we had to walk across town to get to the store where I wanted to pick up my iPad. Funny story, walk up to the counter, I put my email uh, that of my reservation on the table and proudly ask them to, can I please, kann ich bitte mein iPad haben? Can I please have my iPad? The shopkeeper looks at me and he says, we do not have an iPad reserved under your name. Where I got irritated, I said, but I have sent you an email, here it is. So I wave the email around and he takes the email and he looks at me and he looks at and he says, this email is from another store across town. So, uh, you know, blushing, I uh, walked out of uh, the store, looks my wife into the eyes and proudly told her or shamefully told her that and we had to walk to the other side of town while it was about 100 degrees Fahrenheit outside. That's 30 degrees C. And uh, that we actually were at the wrong side of the city and had to walk across town again. So that's what we did. And I remember a very grumpy, grumpy wife that said, like, it's way too hot to do this stuff. But I managed to pick up my iPad 1 in 2010. Back then, these things were really, really special. And, you know, because they were new, there was something that was exciting, that was different. I remember, uh, you know, taking my iPad with me and um, going out for coffee and just whipping out an iPad. Now, here in Belgium in 2010, they weren't even available here. So, you know, I would get some, some funky stares from people that I hadn't had for years uh, I remember when I got my first uh, Apple uh, iBook, 
that was something new back then as well because you had a laptop that was white and this so many years later was another experience that you actually had a piece of technology that nobody had and people were actually staring now the ipad one was interesting but the ecosystem back then was far from perfect i mean there was not a lot available yet and you could do some things with an ipad but they were mostly focused around content consumption, you know, reading or emails and, and surfing the web a little bit. It was a little bit of a novelty device, you know, fairly because you had to, you know, uh, hook it up to your computer with a cable to get stuff across. Um, it was it was nice. I did get a chance only a year later to experience the iPad on a corporate level. I was... Um, a demand manager, new technologies, uh, which was kind of like an innovation manager for a big Dutch multinational. And they were looking at iPads as a tool to give to their salespeople who were on the road to make reservations and stuff. I got involved with the problem with the project early on, which had a brand spanking name uh, and that was geared towards uh giving 250 iPads to their sales for sales uh, people, sending them out onto, uh, towards the clients and have them make reservations using an app that we were building in 2010. Now, you got to know that back then, the iPad was mostly, and maybe it still is, a consumer device. So managing it like a company device managing a fleet of these things was unheard of you know you needed your personal ipod i uh, your personal uh, icloud account and you needed to sync it to your pc and stuff like that now this was all great for for um for the average joe you know consumer joe but this was not what you wanted to to do on uh, a corporate level it was way too too hard to manage a fleet like that but I did the project and we rolled out the first iPad fleet in the Netherlands. And I remember talking to the Apple headquarters in Brussels, telling them, you know, I want to, I want to manage this corporately and I want to purchase them corporately. And they looked at me and I went like, we don't do, we don't do business to business. We're, we're, we're a consumer company. It was, it was very, very uh, challenging. And I remember that Lion Server came out that year and as it was coming out we were rolling out the policies of how we were going to do it and I remember distinctly trying stuff out together with the guys from the iPad reseller store that would uh, deliver the iPads to us and figuring out how we would manage that fleet using Lion Server as mobile device management. So I you know I was into the iPad thing I knew how they worked and I knew what they were for. And back then, you know, the iPad was like a, an information consumption device. You know, uh, you you would you would pair it to your computer and you would get content on it, and that was it. But there were, of course, already back then people who were thinking like, we can use this like a computer, and that's one that's one of the main things that I had to do back at the company during the project. That uh, I, had to, I had to explain what these things were. You know, is, is it like a computer? No, not really. Is it, is it like your phone? No, not really. Then what is it? Well, it's it's something new. And I remember distinctly that I uh, read somewhere that there was a quote from Henry Ford. 
And Henry Ford said, my first car kind of looked like a carriage, like a horse and carriage, like the carriage part of a horse and carriage. And I specifically made it look like that because if I would have made it look like a car, it would be too strange and too foreign for people to use, to understand. So I think with the iPad, it was kind of like the same thing. This was something completely different and people had a very hard time understanding what it did. And one of the first reflexes that, that they had was, you know, they wanted to use it like they used all the other things. They wanted to use it like a computer. And from the early days, we've had situations where people would strap some kind of keyboard to it and would have a, a little pen that would act as a mouse and stuff like that. But I remember explaining to, to the corporate bums uh, and bosses that, you know, this is not a computer. You can use it as a computer, but it's like, you know, doing a puzzle with chopsticks through a keyhole. You don't want to do that. And back then, it wasn't really ready for that. The form factor just wasn't fitting for it and the software ecosystem certainly wasn't ready. But the iPad was there and as a mobile device that was always connected and that would have a touch interface in a corporate environment, it was very, very promising. For me personally, I had been into the paperless business quite a while and um, I had sworn off paper as much as I could. I had sworn off uh, reading paper books by already moving to e-readers and, and uh, even proto e-readers years ago. So for me, the iPad was, was a perfect con content consumption device and I remember using it for my mail and surfing and reading books, reading a lot on it and trying to scribble down some notes uh, to have it replace my paper, but mostly it was a mobile device. It went on for a couple of generations. Uh, I got um, a couple of iPads. I managed to switch to uh, Android uh, not, not that much time later. Uh, I remember getting an Android Nexus 7, which was by Google, and it was probably one of the very, very, very best Android tablets I have ever owned. It was light, it was compact, it was fast, and it was delightful to read on. Uh, something that I had a problem with on the original iPad because I thought it was a little bit too big. Flash forward a couple of years and the iPad has always been one of those devices that was in my side pocket. That would accompany my computer, that would be there and that would allow me to have some kind of portable touch interface device while always accompanying my computer. That changed, um, I think, somewhere in 2015 when I got my hands on my very first two-in-one. Yeah, yeah, from 2015, 2016. I managed to get my hands on a Surface Pro. Now, this was a very interesting device. It had a touch interface. I had played around with touch PCs before, eh, back in 2005, when uh, I played around with um, Windows XP Touch on some kind of HP tablet device that, you know, didn't do what it was supposed to do. 
But uh, aside from that, um, I, I hadn't really had a computer with a touchscreen. So when I got my first uh, Microsoft Surface uh, device, that kind of changed. I think that my first one was a Surface Pro 1, um, <clears throat> which I played around with. But then pretty soon I got my hands on a Surface Pro 3. Now, it was getting... It was getting somewhere. It was getting uh, very interesting uh, for me because these devices had extremely good hardware. I mean, the Surface devices from Microsoft, very good stuff. Um, good battery life, nice screen, not too heavy, not too light. And uh, I remember having my first Surface Pro 3 with a screen protector that gave it, gave it like a matte screen interface. Fantastic device. The power of a laptop, something that the iPad definitely lacked, uh, the applications of a laptop, the ability to interface with the OS uh, using a keyboard and a mouse, and something that was very compact and foldable. You know, you could just, you could actually take the keyboard off and take the stylus and start writing. And that's something that I liked. Ooh, writing on these things. Suddenly I was sketching and drawing and I remember uh, that it helped me out a lot to write things down when I wanted to remember them. So they were really good, but they did have some downsides. I mean, the keyboard was there and it was thin, but, you know, Surface keyboards just, they're not really, you know, they're not really a laptop keyboard. I hate the fact that when you have a laptop and you type, that what we, that what you get is keyboard trampoline, you know. Go to Best Buy, go to Walmart, go to any of your local computer store and pick out the the most low-end laptop on, on the lineup, you know, and try to type on it. Take a, I don't know, a very cheap 17-inch Acer uh, or a Lenovo IdeaPad, the El Cheapos, and try to type on them. It's like typing on a friggin' trampoline, you know, the whole thing goes up and down and they're very annoying to type on. And with the Surface Pro keyboard, it kind of was the same. They weren't bad, uh, but I distinct, I, I got irritated when I hear, you know, I was typing, I would go, and it would be this hollow sound, like, like you would be, I don't know, typing on cardboard, with, which, well, basically you were. Um, and that's something that I didn't really like. Uh, so, you know, I thought like, you know what, you know, I can just take the keyboard off and I can use it to to write and, and to take notes. But the 12 inch, um, it's a 16.9 form factor, I think, I gotta check. Um, maybe not, maybe something around that. It was a very, very rectangular Surface Pro is nice to, to write on, but if you use it in portrait mode, it's just a little bit too big. Uh, so it was a great device to dock, to take with me, to dock up to a keyboard and a mouse and to use that way. So I loved it as a, a very small laptop on the go and something that was great to take with me to the client and just hook up to a bigger keyboard and mouse. So I liked it. Um, but there were some things that I hated about it. And one of them was the form factor. It was just a little bit too big, too heavy for me. And on the other end was, of course, the operating system. I mean, come on. Um, you can say whatever you want, but Windows is not a touch-driven interface. And I've tried. I've tried playing around with a horrible tiled interface 
of Windows 8 and that's still in Windows 10. I have tried using full screen apps. I have tried uh, using apps side by side. And I have to say, if you want to use the Windows operating system today and you don't have a mouse and you just have to do it all by your fingers, by your fingertips, you will miserably fail. It's just not suited as a, you know, touchscreen interface. And then you have, of course, the apps in the store, which should be designed for something like that. Well, the Microsoft Store is a cesspool. It's a cesspool of badly written software. It's a cesspool of knockoff unofficial applications that do God knows what. And it is an absolute, I don't know, planet of disappointment. Jesus, Jesus Christ, what is that it is like i will use the analogy again licking the toilet seat in the train station it has a lot of taste but you don't know what you're gonna get i mean wow applications were poorly developed were developed by parties that were shady at best some of them just didn't work some of them looked like they came from the 90s especially some of them would work and would be work disappointingly I mean like the Kindle application one of the things that I love to use a tablet for is having something to read on one end and taking notes on the other end now with the Surface Pro you could split the screen something you could not do with the iPad back then so I said like wow this is great side by side this is fantastic and then I would start writing and OneNote and all of the Microsoft apps are absolutely a delight to use, even in touchscreen mode, even if you get your head around, this is an app and this is an application. This comes from the store and this one does not. There's there's, there's like the app of, of OneNote and there's the OneNote application. It's very confusing and we're still not clear on all of that. But, you know, it was okay. But then you would get the Kindle app that would be so disappointing because like, well, you can only read uh, books that you bought in the store. You cannot read documents that you uploaded yourself. So all of the nice things that the iPad had, those applications like um, the Kindle, like like uh, uh, GoodNotes, there are already some some writing apps there, you know, uh, that would lead, that would let you annotate PDFs and stuff. That was, that was great. Those just, didn't exist on uh, on on the um, on the surface, so that was that was really disappointing. I did get another Surface. I think I I, I had a Surface Pro three. Uh, shortly after that, I had a Surface Pro four, which was not really anything new. And then I got the Surface Go, the first iteration. Now, this was a very special device. The Surface Go was smaller than the Surface Pro not as rectangular, but more towards, it was, it's a 10.4 inch device with a full HD screen and uh, a very light Pentium M processor. But I got it, it was cheap and boy, did I love it. I really liked it. The form factor was just absolutely perfect. The keyboard was large enough, small enough to take with you, large enough to type on. Okay, it was still the bouncy, bouncy castle of Microsoft keyboards, but it was fine. It had a USB-C docking. It, it, it had one USB-C connector. That was it. And you could connect it to um, to an external uh, USB-C dock and you would have like, you know, your devices. And it was light and it was 
even good to read on should I want to. And I took it with me on the train when I had an, an assignment in Brussels and I loved the device. The only downside was it would get hot. It would really get hot. And when it would get hot, it would get painstakingly slow. And I didn't know why. So this was really strange when you thought about it. You know, it was a great device, but I never actually figured out, do I like it? I sold it off last year. I held on to it for quite a while and I tried different things on it. I tried, you know, let's let's reinstall it and make it really, really light. You know, see if that works. Let's reinstall it and put Linux on it. See if that works. Let's reinstall it and just, you know, um, just, you know, try try it again. You know, see if it, see if it, it's, 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 I don't know. Maybe it's the Citrix client. I don't know. Maybe it's the dog. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. I couldn't get, uh, I couldn't pin down why at certain points it would get incredibly hot and would immediately throttle down to, to a crawl where my uh, Raspberry Pi 4 in desktop mode would be able to overtake it. I sold it uh, and this is one of the devices that will stay with me for a long time because it was, it was so close. It was so ex incredibly close to having that perfect perfect device it was great to connect to a keyboard and a mouse and have as a, a portable device it was great to take with me on the road it was great to to put it on my lap and just you know read a book on it or annotate a pdf on it 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 was a great great device it came so so close but not quite form factor was perfect speed was very low and the windows 10 touch interface well there isn't any. It's just an illusion. So what to do after you get uh, the Surface Go? You want something of that form factor and you want something that you can write on and you want something that is powerful. So what do you do? Well, two years ago, I got me an iPad Pro. I got the first version of the 11-inch iPad Pro um, with the first Apple Pencil. All right, back to an iPad after quite a few years. I think that the only thing that I owned in between was an iPad Mini, which is a fantastic device for content consumption and uh, which is a very nice piece of uh, nice piece of hardware. And I've always, I think I've, I've from the five generations iPad minis, I kind of had them all. <laughs> I've always owned one and I even tried owning, I, I had one before that, before the iPad Pro uh, with a little stylus, with the Logitech stylus and it was interesting to use. Uh, I still have it to this day because it's just such a great device. And the, the iPad mini would go to my wife and I would take the iPad Pro or we would switch around. So it would always be there. It was, I should have mentioned the iPad mini in the show actually. Um, it was a nice device, small form factor, great for content consumption. The iPad mini is one of the great devices that Apple makes. It was compatible with a stylus. I decided not to go for the Apple Pencil just yet, but to go for that Logitech stencil, uh, st uh, stencil not stencil, pencil, Logitech pen that you could recharge with a, a standard lightning uh, cable. And I did quite a bit of note taking on it, but it was tiny, tiny small. So when I went to the iPad Pro, I thought this is it. 
And I do have to say, it came darn close. Um, the Apple Pencil, though, is a disaster. I would be very, very, very ashamed uh, to be Johnny Ives and to have anything to do with the Apple Pencil. The Apple Pencil one is, for all intents and purposes, a design chair. A design chair is nice to look at, but shit to sit in. And the same thing is true for the first generation Apple Pencil. Great to look at, horrible to use. One, it's slippery as hell. I don't know who does the Department of Ergonomics at Apple, but this guy should be incarcerated somewhere and put down on a chair that is very, very uncomfortable to sit in, but great to look at. Same thing is true with the Apple Pencil. First of all, who in God's name thought of the charging port to make the charging port male? You have to take the little cap off. Then you need a lightning female-female adapter that fits into a male uh, lightning uh, connector. And then that goes to the USB-A connector and that goes in, into a charger. With the Logitech Pencil, they at least had a female lightning port on that thing so you could just stick it in. No, with the Apple Pencil, you had the chance that you would lose the magnetic tip and you would, and you would lose the female-to-female -female lightning connector, which would probably cost you a sliver of a kidney to buy in if you needed it new. So... Although I have taken a lot of notes with it, I hated the Apple Pencil and the fact that it would be running out of power constantly. But that being said, um, the iPad itself, wow, this was something that was a very nice step forward for a first generation Apple device. Yeah, remember the Apple mantra, if it's first gen, stay away, if it's second gen, you can go. Um, but for a first generation device, wow, the screen, incredible. Uh, the laminated screen, you're writing on the screen. It was a little heavy, uh, but boy, fast, fast, fast. I really, really like it and had a wonderful display. Well, iOS 13 had some marginal support for, for, for it, it had good stylus support, that was great. It had some marginal uh, support for uh, a mouse, but if you used a Bluetooth interface and you would use the mouse workaround, you could start thinking about, hmm, would I be able to use this as a laptop? Because back then you could start running apps side by side. But um, that changed with iOS 14. And iOS 14, for me, has been a great step forward uh, for Apple in the use of uh, the iPad as a device that is a portable device with a large screen. Because until now, until iOS 13, uh, until, you know, multitasking really came into its own, iOS is behaving like it's on an iPhone. And an iPhone has what, like a seven inch screen or no, not really, a five inch screen or even smaller. And now you have like an 11 inch screen or a 12.9 inch screen, and it would still behave the same way. And for most of it, just for most of the time, it still does. You know, when I take a look at iOS on a tablet, I still think, you think you're on a phone, aren't you? Yeah, you behave like you're on a phone. 
Multitasking has done a lot for that. The Files app is also great um, to, to use. It's stuff like, you know, AirDrop and stuff. Small touches have made the iPad usable enough. And with iOS 14 came mouse support. So I thought, this is it. It's time. It's time to turn this iPad Pro into that one device that I've been looking for for so long. I want to attach a mouse, attach a keyboard, and see if I can get all the goodness of iOS into the form factor of my Surface Go. You know, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the point where I did. So I got this Logitech folio case, the one with the uh, magnetic clip-on keyboard and the uh, touchpad and the little kickstand. Uh, it's It was expensive, 100 euros, which is still cheap compared to the sorry, crap keyboard that you get from Apple with, you know, with it, with not really, not, not actually with keys, you know, with these, with little, with these little, I don't know, there's this felt thing with, I don't know, knobs on it. And those knobs would have numbers and you would have to press on the knobs. It looked like a, I don't know, some kind of game computer from, from, from Atari from the, from the freaking eighties, you know, where you didn't have a keyboard, you just have a membrane, you would type on and there would be contacts underneath so I got the Logitech one because I've always been a big fan of Logitech I I love their products I love their keyboards and their mice I swear by them so I bought it and I thought you know what I am going to take the plunge I am going to go into the office back then we were talking full lockdown so we were only going to the office very very uh, occasionally they were using Citrix. I had the Citrix client on my iPad and I said, you know what? I'm going to go to the office and I'm just going to take my iPad. iPad Pro 11 inch 4G chip. So it was always connected fast. It had the lightning, uh, it had the Logitech keyboard, snap on keyboard with the, the good keys, with the touchpad. It had the kickstand. It was there. It was a little bit heavy, a little bit thick. It was great. Size of the Surface Go, always connected, keyboard, touchpad, mouse, and an iOS that was really ready for um, for touch interface. So, were, were we there yet? Close, very close. And one of the things that made it close was not only the fact that, you know, the OS had finally, you know, awakened. The developers of the Apple OS finally awakened and said, like, People do want an iPad with a keyboard and a mouse. Maybe we should give it to them. We've been screaming for it. Microsoft has these great devices, but does not have the operating system to support it. And Android has been in a state of, I don't know, software civil war for the last 15 years. So maybe we should do this. And they did. And they almost got there. Almost. A big... Step forward, of course, is the fact that we have been moving in the last in the last 10 years, we've been moving to the cloud more and more, you know. I would hear people scream like, I don't have a file system on my Mac. Well, you don't need one uh, on my iPad. Well, you don't need one anymore. I don't know how to put Word documents on my iPad. Well, you don't need it anymore. They're all in the cloud. Your tablet is an interface. Let it go. I, for the life of me, do not understand why they sell one terabyte hard drives in tablets. For what? But, you know, that's just me. Um, that's for people who want to do video development. Well, let's just not, not take that rabbit hole right now. 
we came very far. I mean, we really, really came far thanks to uh, the cloud and thanks to the applications uh, in the cloud having great native applications in iOS, opposed to the Microsoft Store, which is a disaster, I told you, as, and opposed to the Android Store, which is, you know, in a state of civil war. The major platforms, Google, uh, Microsoft, Office 365, offered good applications that let you interface with their cloud. And wow, suddenly I was going like, I think I'm running my company from this thing. Everything up in SharePoint, using the Office 365 applications, working in the cloud real time. A little bit iffy when you didn't have connectivity, but you would be able to survive. And it was great. But the OS just wasn't ready yet. So I come to the final question, which is, if we take a look at tablets these days, is the tablet ready to replace the desktop? Well, the answer is, as I said, not quite. Apps have improved, but operating systems still lag behind. Tablets to this day don't give you the multitasking that a desktop gives you. I challenge anybody with a big monitor and the ability and the habit of having multiple windows open at multiple times and flipping through them to do so on a tablet. The question that you want to pose yourself is, do you want to? I mean, the one thing that a tablet helps you to do is gain focus to not have 25 windows open. So there's a pro and a con, but you might want to have some stuff side by side. So operating systems, that being Android and iOS, are still pretty poor at multitasking. I mean, there is no decent Windows, windowed, windowed interface on a tablet. You know, take a Surface Pro, fire up Windows 10, enjoy the beauty of a uh, windowed interface, and enjoy the frustration of trying to operate it with a touch-based interface. These two things just don't mix. If you have fat fingers, you need full screens. And if you have tiny, tiny window, you need a good mouse. That's as simple as it gets. Trying to do one with the other only leads to frustration. I can tell you. I mean, have you ever... Give, give it a try. Pair your mouse to your phone and try to operate your phone with a mouse. You know, it's, it's hilarious. Because it's a touch interface, you don't control it with a mouse and vice versa. It's true. So... Android is coming close. They do have something like Samsung DeX, uh, which is which is uh, the ability to plug in your Samsung device onto a, a dock and it will start behaving. It will show you not a touch interface, but a windowed interface. So on the pro side, yes, tablets are ready to replace laptops. I mean, the size, look at a 12.9 inch iPad, pretty good. Um, the battery life, fantastic. You know, any any Android uh, tablet gives you at least half a day of battery life. Great. Storage, yeah, either extremely expensive using an iPad or just a micro SD card of one terabyte that doesn't cost you anything and shove it into any Android tablet that you want to. Great. Connectivity, wow, the, the cat's meow, uh, the holy grail of the Surface Pro was the fact that they had a very hard time 
trying to give you a laptop that would be permanently connected using 4G and still have a battery at the end of, I don't know, the morning. Uh, that was that's one of the reasons why the Surface Pro just didn't have 4G support. But you know, with the ARM processors or whatever Apple uses, uh, or whatever um, Android uses in 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 the tablets, they were much more suited uh, for a mobile connectivity, constant mobile connectivity. So it's there. I mean, you can get 4G on any device, and it will not massively impact your battery. Application support. Well, yeah. The big platforms are available on, on, on Android and on iOS, and nobody cares about Windows and BlackBerry anymore. So, and the cloud, of course, has made a lot possible. As I said, you don't need to worry about how to sync files to your tablet. You know, they're in the cloud, you're connected, go. But there is also something speaking against it. You know, Android and iOS had had a very, very hard time adjusting to large screens. These are, these are mobile interfaces. And in, if you put them on a larger screen, it's going to be weird. And the applications also have a hard time scaling up. You know, just try, just for the fun of it, to uh, I, I remember how nice it was to have a 2x application on your iPad. It would look horrible. Android also has the added handicap that you know there are so many form factors there are so many tablets out there that apps just don't know how to scale and uh, that's both the case on on android itself on a tablet and on samsung decks some apps just don't know how to behave in such an interface and i don't know a lot of home screens still look like it's 19 or yeah, like it's 2005 i mean if you take a look at the home screen on the ipad really Really? We still can't arrange, you know, the, the icons the way we want to? Seriously? Android has had this for years. We get these measly widgets on the side. That's widgets? Really? You can customize your Android interface however you want to. But again, that's the downside. It's, it's, it's you know, it's pandemonium out there. You don't know what to do with your Android interface. And if you're a developer, it's like, you know... I'll make an Android app, but I don't know how it's going to behave on the interface. And if you buy an Android tablet, there are not a lot of people selling them anymore. They're different on every uh, interface because everybody wants to have their own little Android sauce on top of it. So, you know, as I said, uh, iOS is uh, very bad at external display support. You cannot put on put in an external screen on an iPad. The i the hardware doesn't support it. And of course, um, the software doesn't know what to do with it because there is no windowed interface. And that's, that's a shame. You know, I could take my little Surface Go and just yank it into a bigger screen and I would have a big computer with me. An iPad doesn't do that. Um, on, on, Android, there's, of course, you know, as I said, you know, apps scale badly and there's no uniform OS because everybody wants to build their little flavor. For iOS, one of the pros, however, is that, there, that the hardware has become excellent and the pen and touch support is flawless. It's, it's, it's great. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, on Android, Samsung DeX looks promising. You know, they are becoming more and more desktop aware, but it's their little flavor. Uh, 
So the question is, yeah, are we ready? Well, almost. In the post-corona workplace, we will be mostly working from home. We will have a desktop with a large, comfortable screen, a good keyboard, a good mouse, and hopefully a good chair. We will have to do occasional moves to the office, occasional uh, goings outside towards clients. And for that, we will not require a laptop per se. We do not need an entire desktop interface just for those excursions, since we're connected to the cloud anyway. So looking at the state of tablets through time, and looking at the state of tablets in 2020, the Android side, where it looks promising, but because of the fact that there are so few vendors still making them, and that there is still such a diversity in the way that they are making them, it's going to become challenging for the developers to make something that works on everything. But on the iOS side, the hardware is fantastic, the software support is great, but the iOS still thinks that it's on an iPhone. And in Cupertino, they do get the memo, but they do get the memo a couple of years later. So we don't really know if we will ever get something close to the Android flexibility on the uh, iOS monoculture. We're almost ready. We're almost there. Perfection or the ultimate device, the synergy device that we have been waiting for for years, the, the, the merger of both a computer and a tablet, something that has the form factor and the touch interface of a tablet, but gives us the flexibility of a laptop. No, it's still not there. We do not have the perfect two-in-one surface. The Surface Pros are close, but don't have the OS. The Android tablets are close, but they have uh, diversity up to a point that there is not enough support by the developers to make the applications work for it. And iOS, as I said, gives fantastic hardware, great software support, but still lags behind in the way they envision the OS to work. That means that we will still be carrying around a tablet and a desktop for at least the next couple of years, I think. I'm not sure. We'll have this conversation next year. But what I will try to do is give my 12-inch, 12.9-inch uh, iPad Pro a run for its money and try to use it as much as possible as a desktop replacement if I can. That was my side of the story and now i'm very curious about your side of the story what have you experienced when it comes down to using a tablet you can share it with us via email the old school way by sending us a little email or a voice message uh, on feedback at nightwise.com and if you want to chat real time uh, just find us on discord that's the the ultimate social you know it's like irc for old people or young kids that's it irc for young kids and i'll put a link in the show notes to the uh to the um to the discord server so you can hang out there and that's it i hope you enjoyed our little excursion through time 10 years of tablets amazing uh, from the iPad 1 to the iPad Pro, from my very first Android through the Nexus devices to Samsung tablets to the Surface ecosphere, starting from touch 
uh, XP touch uh, tablety things to the surface go and stuff like that. It's been quite the ride, but we're still not there yet. However it turns out for you, however you want to use your mobile device, just remember this. Remember to let technology work for you instead of the other way around. See you guys on the flip side and this time I'm gonna let you enjoy the entire track of Susumi's without having me talk through it. See you guys next time. Bye bye. to the nightwise.com podcast the show with hacks tips and tweaks for cross-platform geeks send your feedback questions or start your own personal flame war by contacting us directly on feedback at nightwise.com you can support the show by sharing it with your friends or writing us a nice itunes review at www.nightwise.com forward slash itunes if you have some credits to spend click the paypal button on the nightwise.com website to help us pay the bills just remember, there is real life outside cyberspace. But it's not all that important.